The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Wednesday, August 2nd. And today, oh, man, one of my favorites is National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. Oh, yeah. On top of Gretchen's favorite thing in the world, it is also National Coloring Book Day. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and we're audio only on Twitter spaces. So jump in Twitter spaces. Let us know if you can hear this so we can work out our technical difficulties. But without further ado, we're going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, the flip-flopping champion, the baby diaper changing. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is none other than the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so um, whether you like it or not, the substance that fuels American political machine is money. It's the reason every election cycle candidates on every level's campaign spend record amounts of money to support whatever long shot candidate that they think has the best chances of making it into office and becoming the champion of whatever issues that same money that got them into said position wants, uh, wants them to go in, regardless of what the voters thought said candidates believe in or the promises that they made along the way to secure votes. It's a dirty game, but it's the American way. A wise man once told me it was the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. You know who that was, Jason? That was me telling you that. Yeah. Yep. That was me telling you that. So, uh, yeah, right. Yep, that cash. It's the point that Hyatt Nine News' very own Gretchen Gailey makes weekly about specific issues mattering to lawmakers on the Capitol Hill and others don't even register. It's lobbying. How much money or how much cash you have on hand um, or your community has or organizations have or your company has to pay for these politicians to actually care. And while historically for cannabis lobbying money seen a little bit of uptick. It's It's been a little light. And according to Stat News' Nicholas Florco, things are about to get a little lighter. Florco says Big, M, uh, Big 8 MSO, Cureleaf, one of the largest companies in the world, spent about 40% less on lobbying in the first half of 2023 than it did um, at its peak back in uh, 2019. Columbia Care and Pax Labs fired their entire lobbying teams. Of the four major cannabis industry coalitions that have pushed for federal legalization the longest, One's seen its revenue cut in half, and the and two have folded completely, dropping advocacy spending uh, more than fifty percent since the highs back in twenty. Federation, the Global Alliance for Cannabis Commerce, both gone. The National Cannabis Industry Association is a shell of it, uh, what it once was, currently with just six full-time staff members and one being a registered lobbyist. And the National Cannabis Roundtable, uh, which according to Stat has kept its lobbying spending relatively steady. Uh, but it all makes sense. 
Even with stigma being at an all-time low amongst Americans, cannabis companies uh, continue to lose money because of heavy-handed regulations and taxation, disjointed messaging, and a general lack of politicians taking cannabis serious enough to make it a priority. NCIA co-founder Aaron Smith um, spoke about it in the article. The cruel irony is that businesses are forced to cut back on their government relations spending when in fact advocacy is what's needed in order for the industry to actually succeed. Cannabis banking lobbyist Don Murphy asked, if they weren't getting wins in, as, uh, with lobbyists, how are they going to get wins without them? It's like leaving the game in the third quarter. I appreciate the sports reference there, Don, but um, how many athletes do you know leaving that locker room after a strong first half, continuing to give it all that they got when they just seen the referees take $100 handshakes from the neighborhood gangsters on the Jumbotron? If they ain't in on the fix, what's the point? Enter the U.S. Cannabis Council, formed in 2021 with the stated goal of unifying the cannabis industry's message on, on Capitol Hill. It spent $150,000 on lobbying last quarter and is expected to spend as much or more in the upcoming months. They also launched a super PAC dedicated to cannabis reform. USCC Senior Vice President of Public Affairs David Culver says that they want to be a Big Ten organization. Everybody realizes that if we have a singular and unified industry voice, that we're going to have a lot more success. While it all sounds good on paper, a number of powerful members of color involved early with the USEC decided to bounce once they found the org's unified voice wasn't really speaking for their community's best interests. And for a cool $10,000 annual membership fee to get you on the board, the buy-in's a bit too rich for what society's generationally blessed us with the opportunity to muster up. This is why the biggest MSOs, software, and packaging companies that are leading the conversations um, on where the industry should be headed are doing what they do and not the people. Well, I won't say that I have a crystal ball or um, I know exactly where this whole thing is going to play out in the end. I can tell you one thing. You might get a good idea about all that if you just follow the money. Interesting way hearing what everybody else has said on this one. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Gretchen, I know you got some words for this. What's going on with lobbying and cannabis? <laughs> lobbying and cannabis suck. There's nobody out there on the hill pounding the pavement. Um, I understand that people think $10,000 to USCC or whatever their acronym is. UCCS. Uh, I don't know. USCC. Is too much. Um, however, uh, you would play, pay any regular lobbyist 10000 a month normally. So 10000 a year is nothing, truly. Um, in the lobbying game. Um, I, I don't agree with how a lot of the lobbying and as associations have done their business for the past few years uh, because they pay high-powered, high big-name lobbyists a lot of money, and I'm not going to name names, but you can look up who these people have hired in the past, who will tell them, we'll do one meeting for you a month. Are you fucking kidding me? Why are you wasting your members' money on these people who do one meeting for you a month? Are you kidding me? Uh, I worked with a group went out with my lobbyist and yes, I did charge them 10 grand a month. Uh, they came to town. I got them 10 meetings with members in one day. I mean, this is not hard to do people. You just need to put your back into it. And nobody in this industry wants to do that, which is fucking ridiculous. And they are absolutely 100% right when they say you didn't get any wins with lobbying. Uh, so we're just all going to sit at home and think that's going to work. You're out of your damn minds. We need to show up and cannabis is not showing up. You are I think that there's a big um, misunderstanding out there that you have to have a lot of money to lobby too. But you're right, Gretchen. You really just need to show up. You need to get in front of people's faces at their offices, talk with their team members. Don't make it a one, you know, one time or a, you know, a first date, hit it and quit it situation. Keep coming after them. Send a follow up email. Keep them on your email drip list constantly be checking in at least quarterly about what steps they're taking towards your initiative. But at the end of the day, you know, this is also telling, and this has been going on since COVID, frankly. I used to sit on the board at NCIA and COVID was detrimental to the organization. Um, things just haven't returned for lobbying in, in cannabis the way that it was before uh, COVID. And think that it's, you know, it's a sign of the times, number one. Number two, it's a sign of feeling really powerless. And then simultaneously, I think 
everybody that is an operator that should be lobbying right now is just focused on survival and lobbying is on the back burner. Well, I I got news for them. You're not going to survive unless you lobby uh, because you're not going to get the laws that you want and what you need. Um, And like you say, it doesn't take much to actually show up. Now, you ask why you're paying 10 grand to a lobbyist then if all you have to do is show up. Uh, The lobbyist is the one who gets you the meeting with the senator, gets you in the door, uh, goes out later on to various events, sees that senator and keeps hammering them when you are not around. However, we love when businesses come to town. People call me up. I want to go to the Hill. Fantastic. My day is so much better when I get to walk around with an actual business owner who can make their pleas to these people. And I will specifically seek out their their member of Congress, their senator to talk to you so they understand this. The other thing that this industry can do that is not hard, does not take one damn dime, is reach out to your representative and invite them to your place of business. Let them see how much effort goes into how you grow, how much money you're spending on security, how there are not school buses of children dropped off at your doorstep at your dispensary. These people don't have a clue. You ask I will guarantee you 99% of every member of Congress and their staff have not set foot in any cannabis establishments, but they're the ones making the rules. It's ridiculous. Gretchen, what do you, what what do you say to the people that actually do that? And then they have the politicians stop by just for a photo op that benefits them. And it really doesn't benefit their community or their stores. Uh, Getting a camp, getting a politician to show up for a photo op absolutely benefits your business. Because that shows that that person is willing to publicly support you. When they want to show up without the camera, you think that's a bad thing. No. If they're willing to put the press behind, yes, I came out here and I did this, they're at least showing and something you can hold them accountable for later. I have proof. You showed up. You took a picture. You did this. Why aren't you supporting me now? There is Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with the photo op. And there is also nothing wrong with the 12-year-old staffer showing up. Newsflash, they're the ones who actually do the work. 12-year-old staffers. Well, they're all when I was on the Hill, I was 30 years old. I was the old lady in town and it was just like, oh, my God, kids, get away from me. So now you're so now you're so annoying. So now you're the older lady in town. um, I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually, Gretchen, because there is a misunderstanding in the lobbying world. Um, It's mostly by folks who are lobbying for the first time or so that if they get to meet with a staffer, that they're being dismissed. And that is not the case. I mean, once in a while, it's the case, but most of the time it's not. And oftentimes we're in a, in a meeting with someone who's in their early twenties who actually cares about cannabis, right? Even if they're, if their boss doesn't. And so well, just, you're a hundred percent right. Back when I used to be on the Hill, which was prior to legalization, we seriously drew straws at who was going to go out in the hallway to talk to the cannabis person. And <laughs> We didn't even let him in the office. It was uh, the cannabis cowboy. He would always come around offering up joints uh, for co-sponsors <laughs> on bills. And we're like, and he still walks yeah. around. He's still out there. Um, but now that has totally changed. There are offices that do have staffers who are interested in cannabis, but it might be agriculture. They may be doing a healthcare bent. They might be mm-hmm. doing a justice bent. There are very few who are actually, I'm um, cannabis. Uh, you might find those in like the cannabis caucus rooms, uh, those members. But they are absolutely out there. Anyone who wants to come to town, I am happy to take you around. Don Murphy will be, he's thrilled when people show up. I can put you in touch with Don. If you say, I've invited my member, they're coming to my place, what do I do? Tell me. I will tell you exactly what to do oh, with them. You... Who's talking? I don't know why the word caucus makes me smirk every time. Uh. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> it's not uh-huh. that hard. We need to show up. And this whole Talk idea... Up of being unified is essential, essential. And I'm not talking on every single tiny little thing. We just need to decide on the big points because that's all they can fucking understand right now anyway are the big points. Well, I just want to get into the nitty gritty later. I just mainly want to say before we before we keep it moving that uh, USCC is not the voice of the industry. The USCC is the voice of MSOs and those are the only voices that are being heard because there is a lack of political sophistication going on within the other aspects of the industry. Well, and I would Jason, fullheartedly agree. Anyone who knows US, U, USCC 
Uh, it's just a shell for uh, CTF, exactly. Trade Federation, years yep. ago. Exactly. All these guys do is keep rebranding themselves. Exactly. And I told Stephen Hawking when he joined them, right. Steve, they are using you. 100% they are using him. This what it's going to be. They are totally using uh, him without a doubt. Steve realized, Steve realized that and got out. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. This touches on a little bit of like how companies react in these tough times, right? Like it reminds me of like how when a corporation starts to like pull back, they immediately cut marketing. You know what I mean? It's they, like you, you see like well, th th these situations are... happen all the time. And to me, I, it always leaves me kind of dumbfounded because I'm like, okay, like if you cut the wing that actually promotes the way you, or promotes your product so that you can actually make money, like you can't get mad when you're not making as much money when you're cutting the main wing that's bringing in the revenue. So like for, for here, for example, like when you're bringing in the legislation that's going to help us as an industry, right? Why are you cutting the one place like that where you, you're really going to see a benefit? Now it's a benefit like it's 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 not the instant gratification that we see in our society, right? You're playing the long game when you're doing the lobbying. So, you know, I, 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 I'm just sitting here like confound like, yo, like we have to still push this forward. You have to still do the lobbying. You have to still do the work of going to D.C., getting in front of these lawmakers, because mm -hmm. if you don't and the stuff doesn't go your way, I don't want to hear you complain. Yep. Period. And, and, and these and these MSOs, USCC in particularly, these are the groups that uh, that lobby for policies such as limited license market share. Uh, uh, having commerce hampered by state lines, which promote um, artificially high prices in these in these certain markets, and also the same no people. Home grow. Yeah, I was about to say that. That was my next one, Gretchen. Yep, no home grow. So they are not the voice of the patient. They are not the voice of the real industry. They are the voice of the corporate shills that are currently controlling cannabis. But how much longer do we have until they do become? The real voice of the industry because they brand well to me they they, they are the real voice of the industry because they're the only voices that are being heard on capitol hill right now because there's no other uh types of groups that that are voicing that type of opposition in regards to and so that so then yes. washington is only hearing them as a unified voice because they're all staying on their point of messaging of limited licensure no home grows regulatory capture and uh and, and hampering commerce at state lines and so ultimately that's the way that this thing is going and they're also some of the groups that are advocating towards towards schedule three because they think that 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 that'll 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 ease in their burden which it will not it'll actually make their burden 10 times harder and i can't believe that they have professional people in government relations departments that are that are advocating for the use of schedule three they have absolutely zero sense of of how the um uh uh Oh my God! The Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act is going to affect them, and how the FDA is going to come in and regulate on them. So, but nonetheless, well, I'm going to digress. I, well, before we move on to the next story, I just want to leave everyone with that because we've been beating the hell out of USCC. Um, I will say, and not in their defense, but I don't ever see them on the Hill. You ask an office who has come to talk to you about cannabis this year, they're like nobody but you. So USCC, I would say, is maybe better at marketing themselves. I don't see them pounding maybe. the pavement either. Maybe. Uh, maybe we need to start a high at nine lobbying group. Well, Go for it. Yeah, look, we need to. We need to. We need to bring in a bunch of money, and we can charge people ten thousand bucks a month if they want to join, and we can figure something Gretchen, out. Just out. Just we put something like that together. Do you ever see NCR around National yeah. Cannabis mm. Roundtable? No. No. The only time I have seen all these folks come together. Uh, it was this summer at the uh, lobby days? Uh, no, at the safe banking hearing. They all showed up for that at the end of June ish. Mm -hmm. Yes, they all show up for lobby days yeah. once a year. Asking for financial support. Um, yeah, but, exactly, so, Rico. Exactly right. Exactly it, right. It just they really offices truly need their local constituents to reach out. That's what they need to do. Um, frankly. The best reception I've gotten from an office that I've gone into uh, this past year has been from Fetterman. Why? Because I'm from Pennsylvania. I still vote in Pennsylvania. When they heard I'm a constituent, that's when they gave a fuck. Mm -hmm. That's when I have follow-up meetings. That's when they care. It actually matters. They care about their constituents. When I go into other offices, they're like, okay, great. Thanks for showing up. Uh, but no, it truly matters. You need to invite these people out to see your businesses. 
There are all these rules. We can't do uh, pack trips and certain things anymore uh, because that shit's illegal. They can't take that kind of... We can't, you know, put them all on a plane to Colorado to go see something or California. That's not allowed. Uh, You got to figure out different ways to do that. Um, So it is best for the invitation to come directly from the business Mm -hmm. for them to come out. And August is a wonderful time to do it because all the members are on recess and supposedly in their home district. Yep, that's the time for home district meetings and, and, and home district fundraisers to, to, to rally, to rally on these members. This is when we but, should be reaching out. But we got to go. We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. He is the cannabis industry's uh, longest continuously operating retailer known for smoking the best weed in the world. And... um, Quite silent on uh, forty five in these last twenty four hours. Just ain't no one worried about uh, forty. Ain't no one worried about none of these these the three indictments and this other fourth one coming. Ain't no one worrying about that because it's the Teflon Don coming through. Oh man, stop it! Stop it with all the what, craziness. Tell you what, mean? Yeah, I'm SummerSlam. Yeah. Oh yeah, can you smell what forty five is cooking? Oh yeah, here we go. Button back. <laughs> Oh, you're funny, 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 Rico. Today, oh man, you guys are going to love this because a long shot effort to repeal medical marijuana in South Dakota has launched. Oh boy. A South Dakota man has launched an effort to convince voters to repeal the state's medical marijuana law. But considering that residents in the state voted overwhelmingly in favor of a medical marijuana program in 2020, Newell resident Travis Ismay might have his work cut out for him. According to to State Attorney General Marty Jackley, Ismay's proposed ballot initiative would repeal the state's medical cannabis program, outlaw medical marijuana dispensaries currently in operation, and make all possession and use of cannabis products a crime. Oh, boy. The proposal would have no impact on South Dakota's hemp industry, however, and members of the public have until August 6th to submit public comment on Jack Lee's summary of Ismay's proposal. Ismay's plan is simple. According to the proposed language he submitted in early June, a blanket repeal of all state medical marijuana laws, an un an uh, avowed marijuana legalization opponent, according to the Dakota Free Press, Ismay declined to comment to Rapid City TV stations KOTA. And if his proposal advances, Ismay's would have to collect more than 17,000 signatures to qualify a repeal measure for the 2024 ballot. South Dakota voters approved both medical and adult use cannabis back in November of 2020, but a 2021 state Supreme Court decision overturned the adult use legislation. However, medical marijuana sales began in South Dakota in July of 2022, and this guy is coming for you. Oh, man. What do you guys think? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do you guys think about this shit going down in South Dakota and this prohibitionist rhetoric going on? That's your girl, Christy Nome, ain't it? I mean, Christy Nome is the governor, yes, and she's a pro avid prohibitionist also, but that's not who filed this. This was a private citizen that's filing this. Who goes by the name? Where Where's your name, buddy? Say his name. Say his name. It's Ismay. Say his name. Yeah, where Say is his it? name. Hold on a second. Let me find it. <laughs> you know the guy. <laughs> you know the guy. Ismay. The focal point. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I read it. I just don't see exactly where I read it. Uh, Travis Ismay. T-R-A-V-I-S-I-S-M-A-Y. Make sure you Google his name. Send him a letter. Tell him all about himself. Maybe maybe we're gonna have to send some THCA over to his doorstep just because. Maybe, maybe Christy Nome can get uh, Herschel Walker to come out there and um, speak for her. I'm not advocating this, but I'm telling my friends at Anonymous to not post his address on any public sites. <laughs> oh man! Do not post this yes. man that doesn't know his name. Yeah, Travis Travis Ismay. Yeah, shout out Make shout out to. Uh, little uh, Kevin Sabet in training over here. KSJR. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. What do you? What you think? You think? You think they'll get the signatures, Gretchen? Think they get the hundred and seventeen thousand signatures in South Dakota? Mm, I don't know. 
Uh, when said when marijuana passed in uh, South Dakota passed with 54 percent of the vote. Yeah. Uh, so depending on whether or not people have liked how it's going. Well, I think I think I think if he wanted to be successful, I think he would need to just strictly focus on getting uh, members of the church to sign this, because I think that's where he's going to find the most uh, prohibitionist support. Amen, Wait. brother. How many people live in South Dakota? That's what I'm Do saying. Do they have 117,000? I, I know they have 117,000. I know right. that. I'm I'm not sure if they have a million though. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of bars you got to stand outside of, right, Gretchen? Mm-hmm. I think the people at the bars are going to tell you you go fuck yourself and keep walking. But I think I think the people at the church, I think the people at the church will be like, oh, "Okay, oh yeah, bless your heart." What do you got? What do you got to do? Yeah, to get on uh, South Dakota, like they had some problems, like trying to get it passed too. Um, I mean, but fifty-four percent. I mean, what did we have in Cali? Fifty-six yeah, percent. But I hold think, on, on Prop two fifteen. Well, so well, like, well, no, no, no. We had, know. we had, we had, we it passed by over sixty percent uh, in, in California. Um, it was, with, it was, when it, it was, when, was crazy with Christy Noem when she uh, when she when she vetoed that shit. But but yeah, but, yeah. but but here's here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that that 54% that that was for medical and adult use. Okay. At 54% of it, of it passing. And then the, the adult use portion was repealed late, late, later on, but the medical pla- medical uh, ordinance stayed in place. And so what you really have is you have 54% of the voting population that was voting for adult use cannabis on top of medical. So, so now I, I would say that if you were doing a standalone vote for just medical in the state, you, I think you'd hit hot numbers closer to like 68%. Yeah, you think so? the thing the yeah. thing, too, is like with me, what I in my experience of what I've seen on the ground is that when once the veil of cannabis is pulled back. It, people kind of be like, OK, they're way more accepting of it, you know, right when it's illegal and it's like the devil's lettuce and nobody see nobody's ever seen it except when Uncle Joey smokes it behind the barn like you know, that, that creates like a stigma in, in, in those communities. Right. But Mm -hmm. once the veil is pulled back and they see cannabis, uh, can be regulated, safely used and the sky doesn't fall. I feel like it's hard to like have buyer's remorse on the cannabis laws, especially medical. I mean, does the sky really, does the sky really fall? Cause if you get high, you're going up to the clouds. And so that necessarily wouldn't mean the sky is falling. That would mean that you're being uplifted. The ground is rising. Yes. Elevation. It's like, it's like the yeast in the bread when Gretchen's in the in the kitchen cooking. Big shout rising. out to Uncle Joey, though. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts? All right, move along. You ready? You, you ready, Gretchen? <laughs> yeah. All right, coming up next. That's right. It's our feisty little redheaded conservative, Gretchen Gailey. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. She loves to dress her dogs up in crazy outfits and wear pineapples. On Sundays, that's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline is coming from Marijuana Moment. White House drug czar says Biden's marijuana pardons and scheduling review can help resolve policy conflicts. The White House drug czar said that the president's marijuana pardons and scheduling directive last year are part of an effort to create cohesive cannabis policy within a patchwork of state legalization models. At a House Oversight and Accountability Committee hearing on Thursday, Office of National Drug Control Policy Director Raul Gupta was asked to share his perspective on the disconnect between federal prohibition and the normalization of marijuana use in jurisdictions that have enacted legalization. Representative William Timmons said that it seems to be a lot of our cities across the country are not really holding people accountable or enforcing criminal code. And he said that cannabis enforcement trends represent a great example. You walk down the street in Georgetown with a beer of glass or wine, you're going to get an open container ticket, he said, referencing a Washington, D.C. neighborhood. But if you want to go smoke marijuana, knock it out. Marijuana is federally illegal. And the fact that we have this nebulous enforcement mechanism where in South Carolina you go to jail or smoke it in the military, you get kicked out. I mean, we're failing, the congressman said. We're failing at creating a structure through which our society can thrive and it's causing problems. Gupta responded by saying that this is exactly why the president last fall took these actions to make sure that people in federal system who are there for simple possession of marijuana are pardoned because it's about their life beyond that. 
He added that President Joe Biden's call for governors to follow suit with state-level cannabis relief and directive for administrative review into the federal scheduling of marijuana are also part of the strategy to resolve the types of policy conflicts that Timmons described. The pardons that Biden issued in October only affected people who committed federal cannabis possession offenses up until the day he signed the directive, and marijuana remains federally legal. So it's not clear how that would meaningfully affect the kind of enforcement issues that the congressman raised, despite Gupta's response. If the scheduling review that's being carried out by the U.S. Department of Health and, H- and Human Services and Drug Enforcement Administration does result in the descheduling of marijuana, However, that could go a long way towards encouraging additional states to end cannabis criminalization while setting up the federal government to potentially enact uniform regulations. At last week's oversight hearing, Timmons followed up with Gupta by pointing out that he's a captain with the South Carolina National Guard and we regularly remove people from the military for smoking marijuana. Yet you can't walk a block in D.C. without smelling somebody smoke it. So, I mean, we need to get our policies in line with carrots and sticks and need to have nuances to achieve our objective. Uh, and for anyone who's wondering, uh, Timmons is a Republican telling them to get their shit together on cannabis. Uh, I think this is some bullshit sentiment from the drug czar, uh, that they're working on it, that this whole idea of giving out these pardons was the first step in bringing uh, some type of policy reform. It's all a load of bullshit, as usual, coming out of the Biden White House. Stop uh, Gretchen for Hide Nine News. That's a truckload of bullshit, Gretchen. It is. It's not bullshit. They're, they're barely taking a little tepid, putting their toe in the water to see what it feels like. I'm still, I think that the Supreme Court's going to pull the rug off under all these ignorant son of a bitches and throw this whole thing out of the Controlled Substances Act. Mm-hmm. That will force them. You no longer have a question of we're going to do this tepidly. You don't have a law anymore. Now figure this shit out. Clarence Thomas for the win. <clears throat> there you go. Yep. Exactly. I'm so sick and tired of the Biden administration flaunting these fake pardons that they did like like they were somehow oh, meaningful or impactful. Like, okay, let me, for your, for our viewers out there, let me break down something on federal law. Like no one, zero people are in prison for simple possession of cannabis. Damn, zero. son, where'd like, you find no. this? And the, the feds, the DEA does not come in and raid you and kick in your door because you have a joint. They don't pick up these small cases. So it's like you, he virtually signed pardons that are non-existent like so you made you made no impact and then they try to claim that this somehow directs the states on like how to how to form their cannabis policy because we did these symbolic mean nothing pardons like this is such a crock of bs biden needs to just fulfill his promise that we put you in office for we you, you verbatim said that no one would be in in jail for cannabis and they would have their records zeroed out Please continue to to hold Biden's feet to the flame on that. Do that. That would be more meaningful. That would show the states of what what they can do and what they can't do. Um, And it would it would show some real leadership. Like, I'm so sick of that, like pardon thing being flaunted by them like it was some good PR. That was garbage. I was in federal prison when I read that headline and we were disgusted in there, period. Sorry, facts. No, 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 bro. This is a man. Yeah, great. No great insight. Yeah, no need None to apologize for that. Makes sense. No I way. mean, if you do get out of prison for you know a nonviolent cannabis crime, if your sentence has been deemed unjust, like in Luke's situation, he was let out early. He's still on federal probation. How are you going to be let out early because your crime was deemed inappropriate or your sentence was deemed inappropriate? But yet you're still beholden to because they want to catch him on a violation. Because they want to catch him on a violation. Now, if he does a dirty test Mm -hmm. and the federal government isn't prosecuting cannabis crimes anymore. Yep. This doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. None None of it. None of it. Biden just needs to buck up and do what he said, keep his promise, and can stop digging around. Yep, and I think He's it's. Never I think do it. I think it's important He's never to know. Never going to do that. No, I agree. He was part of the cabal back during the Reagan administration that ramped up these minimum mandatories. Clinton administration who set loose conspiracy on everybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, 
Luke, but I got wrapped up in a fucking conspiracy charge that was horseshit, but they used that to throw me in prison for five years. Yep. He's part of that cabal. He's got a problem with his kid who's a coke addict, so he's not going to do anything to make him look like he's soft on drugs. It's just all horseshit. He's not going to do this. Well, and I would also like to remind all of our listeners and viewers that you can also write letters to the White House. It doesn't have to be members of Congress. Send a good old letter to Joe and say, remember your damn promise. You want me to vote for you again, Jagoff? And I think... Fucking keep your promise. I think everybody that mails a letter to the White House should get some of those fake terps and spray their envelope with fake terps so then that way it smells once it arrives at the White no, House. No, do not do that. Yeah. Uh, I will not get, advocate spray, for you spray to Spray fake terps. Spray fake terps on these letters. Spray fake terps. Well... What I also always enjoy with these letters to the White House is generally they will send you a response. Uh, so it would be nice to see what the White House would say in response to this kind of thing. Yep, and I do think it is you important. To, you can put the Hyatt 9 logo at the bottom of your I'll letter. Do, I'm down I'll, with that. I have no problem with that. We'll, we'll put some fake put terps Jason on there. Put Jason Beck's address as a staunch uh-huh. supporter oh, of Joe yep. Biden and how he would like to see change. Yep. Uh, who? Yep. Next thing yep. you know, Jason Beck will be the uh, new White House expert on cannabis. Be <laughs> the just, next drugs are. Just, 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 just wait. Just wait till, just wait till, till, till our guy's back in office again. Don't worry, we're we're getting there. Who's our guy? Who's you know our who guy? Our guy is. You know yeah. who our guy is, Gretchen. Oh my God, he's gonna be wearing it <laughs> sooner than you think. Stop it! I would Stop say it. turn the White House into the trap house, but I feel like they're already. <laughs> got I mean, that I mean, it already is. They're already, they're already fucking got cocaine in there, bro. Hey, they already, they already got the. They, they got, got cocaine the and straws, and you know we we still haven't found out if they have fentanyl strips in there or not to make sure everything's kosher. All right, kosher. move along, move along, out of time. Keep it going. I, I feel you, going. Gretchen. Yeah, we're gonna go. To, we're gonna go to commercial. We'll be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button that helps with our YouTube algorithm. On top of make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already. You can also check out all the stories that we cover on our website, www.hyatt9.com. And, of course, make sure that you share this with a friend because we believe that organic growth is the best growth. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah, it's the man representing Armada Law Corp coming to the stage. Everybody's favorite foul mouth uncle, Dale Schaefer. Morning, everybody, or Gretchen for you. Good afternoon. Uh, My story today is the uh, Ease lawsuit. I'm going to dig a little further into it. And I put out a, I don't know if it's an article, a cover here. I'll read the founders of uh, Colorado cannabis company Green Dragon have sued East Technologies, Stocked LLC, founders JT LLC, and multiple members of the board of directors of Ease and executives for fraud, breach of contract, and multiple other counts. The allegations grew out of a merger agreement and multiple loan agreements between the parties in 2021 and 22. Plaintiffs allege the individual defendants and Ease falsely represented the financial condition of Ease. Now Ease is running its California delivery operations. Plaintiffs allege Ease was not able to make payroll when the merger agreement was signed. Further, they allege Ease was running its California operations in violation of California law. The alleged actions of Ease and the other defendants were done either as active co-conspirators or aiders and abettors, including secret board meetings and secret agreements. Additionally, plaintiffs allege the defendants owned and operated Ease and stocks 
as their alter ego, thereby subjecting defendants to possible personal exposure for the alleged damages, seek damages for unlawful acts, accounting and disgorgement, punitive damage and attorney's fees, stand by for the response of ease. This should be interesting. Now, this is an example of what happens when uh, people are running businesses uh, and not having open and honest communications with investors uh, because this, this group, Green Dragon, was running a, California, a Colorado operation with multiple um, uh, multifaceted um, stem to stir and cultivation to dispensary. They had some operations in Florida. They claimed there were 200 million bucks. He's brought them in with a stock only acquisition and merger. So they were going to become a wholly owned subsidiary. They got 30% of ease. And then they found out that ease was not going to make payroll. The month they um, signed this merger agreement, they didn't get this merger agreement in place and lied to him about that. They took a look at the operations in California. And those of us in California understand we have these things called management services agreements. And we, um, I put them together all the time. Someone with a license hires a manager to come in, run the whole operation. He's had, I think, 30 of those here in California, but they're having problems with the state because our laws require that a delivery service, the drivers have to be employed by the brick and mortar retail store and Ease was using all their employees. They're having problems with that. And then there was another agreement that was worked out with a couple of these directors that were on the board of Ease, but another company and uh, let's see, what was the name of that company? Founders JT. They put together a loan that had metrics that Ease was never going to meet, but they had an agreement that they could go in and take assets that Ease had, which wink, wink, nod, nod, or this Green Dragon assets. They had brought in IT, how to run companies, the HR, how to turn companies around. And if Ease didn't make their metrics, then this company would come in and take walk into the a building and take things that this green dragon had turned over to ease. So now I want to emphasize, these are only allegations. This is the complaint. Um, ease is, and these defendants have a chance to file an answer and defend themselves, and we will hear for them. But what I've experienced in the industry myself is these companies that have some success have knuckleheads running them. Now, I don't want to say these guys are knuckleheads, but I've run into too many knuckleheads who don't run these companies as a legitimate business. A corporation has to have board meetings, minutes. You have bylaws. You have to abide by them. If you're having secret meetings and secret agreements and keeping away from all the board members, then you're violating all sorts of laws, all sorts of the fiduciary responsibilities you have. And they also lie to people. And they money gets, you know, sidetracked into somebody's safe and never seen again. These companies that are out there robbing Peter to pay Paul bring in um, investors and the investors figure at some point, man, I was bent over and I had no lube for this one. So here we are. Okay? Let's pay attention to the responses here, because if they prevail on the alter ego theory, and all these individual investors in these companies who would expect to have asset protection are going to lose the protection for their assets. And I've had some discussions with clients who were these shareholders, and I told them, look, you may have to have your wife's wedding ring appraised because if they break this cor corporate veil, they're taking her wedding ring, taking your Maserati, you know, take your kid's bicycle. I mean, I've done this. I'm an asshole. When I'm after people's assets, I will. I'll go to the bank and take every dime out of your bank account. So this is going to be interesting. It's just an example of how scandalous things are in this industry. So I'm going to throw it back to you guys. What do you think about this? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. This isn't the first time I've heard these sorts of allegations towards ease. Um, it's not the second or third time either. Nope. Nope. And I don't want to slander them because I'm saying these are allegations and yep. the allegations are protected by a privilege in court. So if I'm just telling you these are the allegations, I'm not trying to slander them. I can tell you I've, I've had to deal with corporations where there were knuckleheads running them and they didn't think the rules applied to them. And, dude, you can get spanked pretty hard. I mean, Dale, I got a question for you. Go for it, Grace. Um, so let's 
assume, and we're not talking about ease, let's talk in generics or whatever. Why would a company supposedly on the up and up keep you? I mean, I know they're hiding money if they're keeping people out of the board members or board meetings and all this stuff. But is there a legitimate legal reason to not invite people to these sorts of things to no. keep them in the dark? No, none at all. It breaches your your fiduciary obligations to your direct. These people were on the board of directors and they had secret meetings away from them. So, yeah, it violates all sorts of obligations you have to your fellow board members and shareholders. So would. But we all know that being stupid is not a defense, so they can't say that we didn't know that we had to invite these guys. Well, they can try, but it ain't going to fly. <laughs> so ease is pretty effed is what you're saying. Ignorance. Well, Ignorance of the law is not a defense. No, and no, it's Jason not. tries it all the time. Yeah, right. This, this is the kind of stuff that could get you also charged with uh, major securities fraud. I mean, I'm, Dale. It's going to cause Dale. a ripple effect. I mean, there's going to be follow-up lawsuits once the, the outcome of this is settled. But the other thing, too, is I've lost track of the hundreds of millions of dollars that this particular company has raised, but... It seems to me that the companies who have had the most success in raising capital and have the biggest bank accounts have also the biggest problems. So. Yep. Well, that's what JC says, more money, more problems. But I, I, wonder, I wonder, Dale, um, on, this, on this, is there going to be a differentiation in, in the type of settlement that they ultimately come to or what a jury would uh, ultimately decide based on the allegations for the fact that uh, Ease identifies as a technology company as opposed to Green Dragon that it, it, uh, that identifies as a cannabis company? I don't think so. I don't see how that's a difference that makes any difference. Um, these are companies, corporations and LLCs that invested in the cannabis industry, took in people's money. These are securities and they lied about it. I mean, these allegations are true. So. There's going to be other ripples. And the other problem that they're going to face here is you can't go to bankruptcy. You can't get rid of all these debts through bankruptcy. And receivership, it takes over your company unless you have a special receiver agreement. So we're going to see some problems with companies that can't pay their bills, that owe everybody in the world. They don't have any chance in hell of paying them all off. Um, they're, they're just going to be, they're going to be stripped bare. So, 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 Dale is uh, is is, is Statches um, mentioned in this lawsuit? S T A C H S. Yes. Okay. All right. That 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 makes sense. So, so there's so so they're saying that 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 Statches is the is the cannabis touching arm of of Ease, and Ease is just a technology company, and then Stacks is a subsidiary of Ease, is what they're saying. Well, I. I don't know that I gathered all the corporate structure from this. I mean, I was reading last night, my head was pounding trying to get through all the allegations in this thing. And it takes me time and discovery to figure out all the levels of corporate connections. Mm -hmm. But there are companies that are either subsidiaries of Ease or these uh, directors and officers of Ease own these other companies outright. And they're claiming they are all working in, in, in uh, Legion as aiders and betters and conspirators. So they're all going to be facing the exact same potential liability here. Interesting. Well, well, to, to, to my understanding, Stax is, is, the, is the plant touching arm, and it actually does own some cannabis licenses as well, as to, as well to my understanding. So this is definitely going to be a very, very interesting uh, lawsuit to follow. And uh, word on the streets is Green, Green Dragon isn't totally innocent, so I, I can't wait for us to see their uh, cover their response in regards to these allegations. And so the saga will definitely continue. It will. Rarely are two parties to a lawsuit innocent. Right. It just doesn't work out that way. It takes two to tango, right, Dale? Ain't that the kind of the moral of the story, the life lesson? It does. And people stretch the truth on all sides of this. Well, that's because right they just think the truth is yoga. Keep it moving. All right, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to roll right on into Mandy Tingler. Oh, yes, she's a mom, an Edibles Cup Edibles judge, or excuse me, Emerald Cup Edibles judge, and a mom who wants to show you how being a cannabis operator and an executive lifestyle and motherhood all can go hand in hand. That's right. It is Carmen Sacramento, Miss Mandy Tingler. Good morning. 
morning, everybody. I picked my article today because my son is starting to look at colleges and we're about to talk about an American football team at Nihon University. The headline reads, football players at Japan University allegedly caught with cannabis. Students on the American football team at Nihon University were allegedly caught with marijuana Wednesday at the latest as in the latest scandal to hit one of Japan's leading colleges for the sport. <clears throat> the Tokyo Metropolitan Police is analyzing plant fragments that were discovered in the dormitories the members reside in at the university. The university said fragments of the drug were discovered last month as well. Club activities for the team have been suspended and the college has conducted interviews with coaches, club members, and former club members. Katano Collegiate Football Association has acknowledged the seriousness of the recent case and is requesting a report from the Tokyo school. This isn't the first time that Nihon University has been in the news over students' drug use. A member of the university's rugby team was arrested and prosecuted for possessing cannabis in 2020. The incident led to a suspension of club activities. University's football team was also hit by a scandal in 2018 due to foul play surrounding an illegal tackle during a match against Anze Galkin University. My apologies if I've mispronounced that. The incident, which resulted in a suspension from official matches, raised questions about the club's coaching methods as it was suspected that the head coach had ordered it. Known as a major football powerhouse in eastern Japan, Nihon University's team has won the annual college football national championship, Koshian Bowl, 21 times, behind only Seiken Gakken University, which is based in Nishomiya. Japan main, maintains strict laws against the possession of marijuana, even as its group of seven peers have moved to ease laws against the drug. Guys, everybody knows that Japan is really hard on cannabis. Times change people's minds. But here in the U.S., there's a lot of talk about not doing anything when athletes are using cannabis. And so I'm thinking that our Japanese counterparts are wanting that same equality. But I'm really interested in all of your feedback, so bring it to me. This is Mandy, a.k.a. AKA Carmen Sacramento, coming to you live from High at Nine. Oh, man. Man, yeah, they, 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 they will prosecute you out there in Japan for some, for some cannabis. They, they, Andy, did you say this charges. was American football or soccer? American football, not soccer. They were discussing um, also a rugby player who had been suspended. And, um, you know, it's interesting because there's just so much undisputable evidence out there. Um, I was really curious when the coach was like named as the person who was ordering it. I'm talking I'm thinking about post recovery, like all of these benefits that these athletes are getting from having access to this. But it doesn't matter over there. Matter. You know, Japan. We've got children and grandchildren in multiple states in this country where they look very unkindly at weed. And I warn them all, man, just be goddamn careful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you travel out of the United States thinking that weed's no big deal, you're liable to have your bubble burst really quickly when you show up someplace else. It's not fair, it's not right, but it's goddamn sure real. You tell them this. The that, thing that's I thought that was the most interesting in this article was they just found fragments there wasn't actual buds or anything like that they literally found like crumbs you know the bottom of a bag type situation it's in football players yeah. like to smoke weed after they play football like mm -hmm. that's just rico over there nodding and he knows like listen after a rough week of practice or a really tough game like man they're chiefing with your with your teammates is like Man, it's part of American football. I think like that's why Thanksgiving we sit around, watch football, exactly. and smoke weed. Because exactly. football and weed go together like apple pie and ice cream. And eating. That's and great. eating eating fits in that category too. You know what I mean? You know, cannabis is only a gateway drug to the refrigerator. It really is. Yes. And deep conversations that bring people with it, Japan. Come on. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know they had real football out there, though. Dude, rest in peace, uh, Shinzo Abo. I didn't know they yeah, had real that's pretty dope. 
talking about? Japan definitely wants to do things the way America does. They, they do. Of course, there's American football out there. They do. And, 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 and I'll tell you what, if you go out there to buy cannabis, the, be, expe be expect to pay a hefty price for anything because it, it is expensive Japanese. out wow. there. Yeah. I saw um, uh, Champelli being interviewed on um, one of one some talk show, and he said he paid, I think, four hundred and fifty an ounce or something for, or four hundred and fifty for an eighth or something like that. It was something yeah. wild. I'm yeah, like, I, I, I know some people that used to pay three hundred and fifty for just one gram of wax. Yeah, yeah. Those are prison prices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rico, right, Rico, you ready? We got to keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it rocking. Sorry, caught me, caught me off guard. I thought we were going to do another ad right there. My oh, bad. man. Y'all know who it is. Uh, closing us down today is the man, the myth, the legend himself, fresh out of from behind bars. He's an activist. He is a author. He is a dope dad to a beautiful daughter himself. Mr. Luke Scarmazzo. Good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Uh, nobody likes to buy high-priced weed. It's just a fact of the matter. Nobody likes to go to the weed man or to the store and end up breaking the bank. So my story today comes to you from High Times Magazine. It states, Illinois cannabis among the most expensive weed in America. If you're facing sticker shock in Illinois, you're not alone, and your suspicions have been confirmed. Illinois ranks among the states with the most expensive retail cannabis markets in America, according to a new report by Headset. During the first six months of 2023, Illinois sold over $950 million in total cannabis sales, making Illinois the home to the third largest cannabis market in the US, with only California and Michigan with larger markets. Population-wise, Illinois is the sixth largest state in the country. However, a limited number of brands pose several challenges to the state. A report, quote, a deep dive into the Illinois cannabis market, end quote, is designed to examine the state's cannabis market with Analytical data on thousands of products to determine how it compares to other states. Headset focused on a few key areas, including sales growth, product category popularity, pricing, basket analysis, and demographics. Since Illinois is home to only 118 brands, the state is home to high market consolidation, with 68% of the sales coming from only 10 top brands. Illinois will soon be issuing 55 new retail licenses to expand access to the domestic market. Currently, the state is home to 120 licensed retailers, very low compared to other states. Headsets report that the category of pre-roll is typically one of the fastest growing categories is underrepresented category in this market, clocking in at just over four percentage points lower than the national average. Prices in Illinois are among the highest in the country, Headsets reports. The average item in Illinois is currently 89% higher than the rest of the U.S. market. Consumers over the age of 41 typically account for 36.4% of sales. However, in Illinois, they capture 42.1% of total sales. The data, we the data was collected from real-time reporting by participating cannabis retailers via their point-of-sale system. State leaders, however, are taking action to fix some of the problems that are evident in the Illinois market. For example, Illinois is the next state to allow licensed cannabis businesses to take deductions under Section 280E. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzkner recently signed a budget bill on June 7th that included provisions for the cannabis industry, specifically regarding establishing funds dedicated to cannabis businesses and allowing them to take tax reductions. The funds would also pay for outreach targeting to attract support and social equity applicants as they, as well as researching involving minorities, women, veteran, or other people with disabilities in the cannabis industry. So it sounds like if you have weed and you want to sell it for 90% more than the rest of the national average, uh, go to Illinois. So, you know, that's my story for Wednesday. 
Luke Scarmazzo coming to you live and direct at High at Nine News. Luke, Luke. So it, in 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 the chat, in, in the chat, one of our one of our audience members, she uh, she 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 says that the adult use market is taxed sixty percent higher than what the medical market is taxed out there, and so. Um, I don't understand why everyone just doesn't go and get their doctor's recommendation in Illinois. Do they have a super restrictive market as far as the conditions that, that you can have in order to qualify for a medical program out there? That's a good question. Um, I think their medical program is a little, I mean, it's definitely more stringent than the California one. I think that their list of ailments was a little tighter, but still, I, what I think that is a, uh, derives from is basically with a medical card, you got to put up money up front for the recommendation. And not a lot of people like want to put up a couple hundred dollars before they go spend money on weed. So I think it's I just mean, easier for them to just spend by the weed store, even though in the long run, you end up paying more. I would go spend my like 250 and go get a wreck. And then, uh, you know, you're going to save that on, within your first few months, I would say. Hold on, hold on. She's, say, she's saying the, the taxes are based on the THC percentage out there. That, wow, I, I do. That. I do remember a story about that. Yes. Yeah, so I, I. That. That is. That. Yes. I do remember that. 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 It's THC percentage, man. That's taxing it based on that. That is just crazy, crazy to me that they can they they can do that in that way. So you have you'll have um, some of the labs like instead of out in California where we're boosting. Yeah, THC you're gonna you're gonna pay for up, lower. They'd be like, no, make mine fifteen percent. Yeah, make exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the exact opposite of what's happening in California. Right. Yeah. Well, and it, it's important to remind people that they had over a thousand dispensaries just in L.A. when California went legal. Mm -hmm. No state even comes close to having that many. So if you don't allow these businesses up and operate, the black market will throw trap shops up everywhere. And why would you go to one of these expensive places, a trap shop selling eights for, you know, half the price or even less? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and at the same time, too, um, th th this still would equate for a lot of numbers from prior to, to Missouri's uh, legalization for adult use. So I'm sure there's probably a lot of uh, uh, Missouri money that's in there. And so I'm, I, I bet you these numbers drop dramatically in comparison to next year's numbers because they're not going to have a lot of that uh, interstate commerce happening um, from, from, larger, from larger states. Chicago is a huge market, though. Um, I know the, the, you know, the Southern parts of Illinois are, are tend to be more rural, but mm -hmm. you know, that Chicago area, like whoever can put a foothold in that market, especially if they're selling at these inflated prices. I mean, well, you know, who's there? Out there. you know, who's there? That's all the, that's all the MSOs that are out, that are out so, there, Luke. Yeah. That's what I say, man. Like going out, uh, going back there a few months ago, man, I was thoroughly disappointed. And, um, the quality yeah, that you can find uh, legally out there. And I just went back to my OGs, man, did my thing. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so it was, yeah, I, I went to four different, um, quote unquote, legal dispensaries and all of them, it was just ch trash. It was like the flowers is really, really bad. Uh, maybe they've upgraded since then, but it was four months ago and it was, it was, it was terrible. Oh, and, and Luke, in Ingrid says in the chat, she says, you get your medical card and you'll save an average of 35% uh, overall. Or be your parents' caregiver, and patients can add four caregivers per medical card. That's actually the pretty, that's caregiver pretty good. loophole. I yeah, like that's, that. that's a good one. Back to yes. the 215 yeah. Oh man, it's pretty pretty fascinating stuff. I love it. All right. Uh, yeah. Sorry, you ready? You ready, Rico? It's time to go. Is and yes. so <laughs> the end is. <laughs> My fucking screen just went blank. I got it. I got it. Got it. Oh, all man. All right. So Bring it. come on. Rico. Thank you all. You don't have this memorized you by all now? Sure, <laughs> That's <episode>. all, folks. <laughs> Rico might have got a hold of some of that good. good oh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can always. The high THC level. <laughs> How, much days? How much tax you pay on that? You don't need to take all shots in these days. Come on. Um, taxation is theft, man. Thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific or on the East Coast, High Noon. <laughs>
A big shout out and thank you to our correspondents from all over the globe joining us and giving us your respected opinions and um, contributions to the Daily Headlines of Chaos as well. To our sponsors out there, Cloud Media Partners, uh, 91, uh, no. the Vortex. No. Where are we at now? We're not there we're, anymore. We're, 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 we're not there anymore. We're not there anymore. Are you going to give me somebody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not there anymore. You're not even going to mention them? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for it to feed, to know the final determination of what, what the actual name is here. And they haven't figured, they haven't decided that yet. So I'm, I'm waiting for that information. Oh, oh. yeah. So it's just, it's just new shit. Yeah. Okay. Some new shit. All right. Yeah. So shout out to the super fans showing us love, getting their comments live, um, on the big screen, live audience and online supporters catching us all across all media platforms, tuning in for the conversation, the chaos known as the daily developing cannabis industry uh, to the production team cloud media partners house of fuego um all the other sponsors keeping our av struggles to a minimum jaja simone holding us down on other platforms to the haters out there we love you Just keep on doing what you do we can keep on doing what we do and always cannabis sativa l the reason that we show up for these stories every single day it has been what is today wednesday hump day we're gonna keep it humping uh wednesday august 2nd 2023 the show's over you've been hit with enough in your pipe to smoke at least until tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, my name is Rico Lemite, the dopest dad on the street. I've been stumbling all over my words here and I need a nap, but you know what? Uncle Dale, you got the outro today, man. What you got for this? Here we point? go. Don't ask me about the shape I'm in. I can't dance, I ain't pretty and my legs are thin, but don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to. Everybody have a good day. <laughs> this is a certified <laughs> class. Man, we need a country twang behind that. <laughs> <laughs>